This July 4th, celebrate the spirit of freedom and comfort with Minky Couture Blankets. Wrap yourself in the softness of luxury minky fabric as you cozy up under the stars and stripes. Our blankets are designed to ignite your patriotic pride and keep you warm all night long. From backyard barbecues to fireworks in the sky, make every moment memorable with Minky Couture. Indulge in the ultimate comfort and style this Independence Day. Visit us at MinkyCouture.com or your nearest store today and embrace the true essence of July 4th with Minky Couture Blankets. Freedom has never felt so cozy. What's up, everyone? Just a reminder to get on end a fatty beer company wherever there's a fatty near you. Downtown Buffalo, Hamburg, Orchard Park, Ellicottville, Rochester, Kenmore, Columbus, Ohio. They are all over the place. Uh, Nick and Chris have beers from all over the country. Hopefully you've been able to take advantage of their advent calendar through the month of December. Uh, a beer a day. A swell way to live, if you ask me. They've got, they've got everything, IPAs, stouts, some incredible stouts. Um, whatever you want this Christmas season, they've got it. So head on in a fatty, and we are greatly appreciated. They let us uh, post up there to do our podcast. So um, here's this week's pod, a solo pod, remote actually through the uh, the Western New York apocalyptic storm. Hope you enjoy. Merry Christmas, everyone. How's it going out there? This is Go Long with Dunn and Monus on the Go Long Network, golongtd.com. Thank you so much for reading everything at the newsletter in addition to listening to the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Jim greatly appreciates it. He's actually down visiting some family for Christmas. So uh, flying solo here on an abbreviated podcast. So first and foremost, just want to say how grateful I am for all of you Make, making Go Long possible, making the podcast possible. Uh, this is year three of Go Long. So thank you so much for really, you know, t- taking what was a an idea, <clears throat> a hope, a dream, and, and creating a home for long form journalism and really making this thing last long term. As I've said on here a few times, we've really turned that corner. We're in it for the long haul. Um, we've got a ton of support, a ton of subscribers. It th- This entire company is completely fueled by our readers, by our listeners. So thank you so much for supporting GoLongTD.com. And um, you can still take advantage of our Christmas special. If you're not a subscriber, uh, just head on over to GoLongTD.com. Subscribe uh, at the annual rate. 25% off, and you'll also get a copy of The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. So uh, you can pretty much find that deal everywhere at the website. I've got some um, some links within the latest series on Taiwan Jones, the Buffalo Bills captain, special teams Dynamo, uh, one of the more fascinating players that you'll ever meet in the NFL. Uh, so you can just click it in there. Join the community would be incredibly grateful. So you know, by the time you listen to this podcast, this episode, I'm guessing that there'll be a lot of change with the games on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. So I just thought we'd kind of hit pause and look at maybe, you know, a few teams that are sleepers, I guess, into the postseason. We know the heavy hitters, right? 
Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, San Francisco. Readers and listeners probably know I'll throw Minnesota into that group. But I figured outside of that top five that we've all kind of agreed upon as five teams, the five teams that can win the Super Bowl, who are the other teams that could potentially threaten, get on a run, get hot right now, and maybe pull a Cincinnati last year? I mean, we, we've seen this, right? We've seen teams sneak into the playoffs as wild card teams, get hot, get to the Super Bowl, and win the whole dang thing. The Giants, the Packers, it's been done. So who could that team be this year? And I'll admit it. I kind of hated it when the NFL added an extra playoff team. Uh, kind of falls in line with the whole everybody gets a trophy, pizza parties for all after the season ends kind of stuff. Uh, but we're going to see teams sneak in that absolutely deserve to sneak in this year, I think, with the added game, with the added playoff team. So that's where this thing could get interesting in the NFL postseason. Over in the NFC, I think you have to start with those Dan Campbell-coached Detroit Lions. Uh, Bob McGinn, he has his McGinn file series rolling at Go Long. Um, for those who don't know, Bob is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, got the Dick McCann Award. I guess it would be eight, nine years ago at this point. And he's he's covered the NFL for decades upon decades. He's more connected than than anybody in the business uh, so he's got files upon files upon files of, of players that have been drafted for what the scouts said, what the personnel people said, what the coaches said. And then he's also doing a lot of fresh interviews on top of that for these five features that we have for subscribers that go along. And the first one just ran last week on Dan Campbell. So fascinated all his press conferences, right? How, how easily forget that he was a journeyman tight end. Uh, so he talked to Bill Parcells, Ernie Accorsi, uh, a bunch of folks about what kind of tight end. Dan Campbell was, and it makes a lot of sense when you see the way he coaches. And there, there's a hilarious story in there. When he was the interim head coach for the Miami Dolphins, he brings Jarvis Landry to the front of the room and asks Jarvis Landry in front of everybody to just slap him in the face. Jarvis Landry was really confused, didn't do it, and he basically was saying, hey, when you miss a meeting, if, if you're slacking in any department, this is what it feels like, a slap in the face. So quintessential Dan Campbell right out of the shoot with the Dolphins as their interim coach. I think Detroit, you know, we wrote about their offensive line as well earlier this season. It all starts there. The emphasis that they put on that group to, to bully, to punish, to just take your soul away. It's just different. You don't see teams build the way that Detroit has tried to build from day one. They didn't really chase the kind of agreed upon model that we all thought was the way you had to build a team. And that's, hey, you got a bad team, so you probably have a high pick. You take the transcendent quarterback, number one overall, or in the top five, you build around that player, you find an innovative coach, you twist and turn those X's and O's in a million different directions. Well, the Arizona Cardinals are doing that stuff with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, who, by the way, are clashing, reportedly, and it's getting ugly. Then you've got the Detroit Lions who are like, oh, yeah, we'll take we'll take Jared Goff's bad contract. And, oh, yeah, we'll take those two first and that third. And we'll draft Panay Sewell. We'll build up front. That's what they've done. Uh, when they run the ball, it's just different. You know, I think Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, a lot of these other 
coaches that have leaned into the run and have had a lot of success with, with the rushing game. I mean, even Baltimore with, with Greg Roman, it's a lot of like zone stuff, lateral stuff, uh, misdirection, motion, creating angles. I remember talking to George Kittle for the blood and guts actually. And, you know, I, it is really cool to see how they unleash Kittle as a blocker from just different, uh, contours of the field, right? He could be out wide. He could be in the slot. He could be in tight. He could be in fullback. He's hit He's liable to hit any of your 11 defenders and do it with a lot of force. So there, <clears throat> this is no knock on the way these teams run the ball. And then Baltimore obviously has Lamar Jackson, but here's the Detroit lions treating it like it's the mid nineties, North and South power. Our linemen are going to block your D linemen. Our fullback is going to tee off on your linebacker. We're going to force you to get off our blocks. We're going to force you to tackle us, and we're going to do it 30-plus times in a game with Jamal Williams, who leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns, with DeAndre Swift, who had injury concerns. Man, he looks really good now. And then once that gets humming, Jared Goff, you give him time, and they're giving him time to throw back. There ain't been sacked much at all this season. He can pick you apart. (laughs) This guy was the number one overall pick. He's talented. He's always been talented. Y'all know I, I'm, I'm big on Jared Goff. It's a, a common theme on the pod, but um, they've surrounded him with weapons. They've surrounded him with different types of receivers that all have speed. And now you unleash Jameson Williams. These are guys that are going to win one-on-one and they're going to draw one-on-one matchups all of the time. So this is one of the best offenses in football, which it was really hard for people to kind of get their brains around that, I think, because we associate number one offensive football with high rising quarterback, you know, uh, improvisational quarterback who has some individual skill that just pops. And Jared Goff has pretty much been written off by everybody um, except for the Lions, except for Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes. They had a vision and maybe they even were skeptical themselves, right? And they probably executed that trade with the long-term vision in mind and thinking, okay, eventually – we're probably going to have to start over a quarterback now. Why would you? He's playing like a pro bowler. Defensively, they were really, really bad. I think Aaron Glenn's job security was probably on thin ice. We'd have to assume. I mean, they were giving up yards and points and astronomical chunks. But to Dan Campbell's credit, man, he just did not panic. They weathered the storm. They stuck with the plan. He knew that this was the youngest team in the NFL for a second straight season, I believe, second youngest this year. So they really did just completely clean the deck, started from fresh. They wanted a a complete blank canvas, fresh minds to mold, and that's what they've done. So I think all these 21, 22, and 23-year-olds that were struggling defensively early on have just matured, have just gotten better. I mean, this isn't a a defensive unit that is going to completely shut teams down, but holy cow, they're getting stops. They're getting turnovers. They're getting the ball back to what is really a prolific offense. I mean, this is a team that's now won six of seven games. So just to kind of recap, they beat Green Bay 15 to nine to improve to two and six. I mean, they were one and six into that game. They beat Chicago 31 to 30. They go out there to New New Jersey, take down the Giants 31-18. 
Then Thanksgiving Day, I think this was the game, the moment we all kind of thought, okay, here's the Lions just lying in again. They're 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 crashing back to reality, and this is really the team that they've always been. Played hard, gutsy game against the Buffalo Bills. Should have won it, but they lost by a field goal. And then they just go ahead and smash the Jacksonville Jaguars, a hot team in their own right, forty to fourteen. Then they take down the Minnesota Vikings 34 to 23, which was the most impressive win probably of the Campbell era. And then not, not an easy game. The New York Jets and their really strong defense that they win that 20 to 17. Jared Goff makes some plays late. I, I think that there's really no debate. I mean, this is a damn good football team. Now they have Carolina, then they have Chicago, and then they go to Lambeau Field against the Packers, which could could be a game ripe with playoff implications. We'll, we'll see what happens with the Packers. All of a sudden, they're at least kind of nudging themselves into the conversation. I can easily see the Lions finishing 10-7, and 7, and if they do that, if they get in, that is the absolute last team you want to play if you're anybody. Um, I mean, they just beat Minnesota. Minnesota doesn't want anything to do with the Lions. Uh, really, Detroit should have beat them twice. Dan Campbell, it's that mistake that he said he'll live with for the rest of his life. You may remember earlier in the season, his decision to kick a long field goal as opposed to going for it on fourth down. Could, could have just iced that one out. Uh, the Lions are in a very, very good place. Here's some numbers for you. Jared Goff, just, just to put it into perspective, 14 games. He's completing 65% of his passes for 3,604 yards. That's 7.5 per pass attempt, 23 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. A quarterback who is supposedly the most immobile quarterback in the NFL, he's been sacked 19 times, just over once a game, uh, for a passer rate of 97.2. You get Williams going, you get Swift going, you get St. Brown, Cleef Raymond, Josh Reynolds. DJ Shark and now Jamison Williams. It's a it's a prolific, prolific team that is not going to be afraid of anybody. I, I think really in the entire NFC, it was early in the season, but they gave the Philadelphia Eagles everything that, that they could handle. Um, and you know, Philadelphia, the reason that they are, you know, in that pole position uh to get the number one seed in the NFC. Is they're physical. They're big. I think their entire offensive line made the Pro Bowl. Uh, they, they, they run the ball. Now, Jalen Hurts is an MVP front runner. He's, he's dynamic. He's a problem for any team, but the, the style of play is very similar. So I think that this is almost kind of like, you know, Tyson Fury stepping into the ring with Anthony Joshua, a matchup that unfortunately we'll probably never see ever. You get two heavyweights that aren't going to back down from each other. Detroit can win that game. Just I, Detroit can beat San Francisco. I, I, I love San Francisco styles play as much as anybody, but again, that's how they're winning their games. It's defensively just being violent. The Lions offense can match that violence and uh, definitely would implore y'all. If you, if you haven't seen our series, we went out there to uh, Detroit and I spent time chatting at length with all of their offensive linemen, Panay Sewell, Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow, just incredibly insightful, enlightening conversations, wild backstories, life stories. Panay Sewell just freaking dodging tsunamis. And um, he would actually mow, quote unquote, mow his front lawn with a machete by hand. And then, of course, he gets to the States. He's learning American football. 
and they play this hit and drill sharks and minnows where there's two sharks and a bunch of minnows just run across the field, all the other players. And he took out a kid, basically sent him to the hospital, ended his career, never heard from him again. It's a, it's a different breed that Panay Sewell. So th- this is a team in the image of its head coach. You do not want to play the Detroit Lions this time of year. So that's the NFC over in the AFC. I, I mean, I do love the fact that the Bills are winning this way. It's it's not pretty, but they, they, they need to win those not pretty games. It's a team that's kind of been front running. I thought Isaiah McKenzie was, was pretty honest when we talked about this on the show this week where in so many words, I'm paraphrasing, he did kind of insinuate things offensively have come a little too easy for the Bills. They get big leads. They run away from you. They dance on your grave. It's fun. It's entertaining. But these past, what, three, four years, if you punch the Bills in the mouth, typically they didn't know how to respond. They, they've been getting punched in the mouth this year in different ways. Hey, they played Detroit in Detroit, won that. I mean, that's starting to look like an impressive win. Uh, also, Josh Allen's elbow injury forced them to try to find different ways to win. You you lose Von Miller to the torn ACL. You play two games in five days, both in Detroit. Which, I don't know, I still feel like the team probably could have prepared at least taxi services, you know, instead of just random people bringing people to the airports and whatnot. It was That was a crazy weekend, but they made it happen, so give them the credit. They got there. They played the Browns. They beat the Browns. They came back. They got ready for the Lions. They went to Detroit. They beat the Lions. Defensively, this is about as good as the Bills have looked in quite some time. You know, they did have that number one ranked unit last year um past defense wise but it was they're kind of paper tigers you know they they had it you know against the bad teams they kind of ran up those numbers and against the good quarterbacks they they struggled um this year they're they're playing good teams and they're having success on defense so if Gregory Russo, Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, Ed Oliver, all these different guys that got on the D-line they drafted so high if they if they can keep applying some pressure they might be able to get by without Von Miller that's 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 the huge if with this team you know, if I got one concern is you get in that playoff game and you're going against an ultra brilliant brainiac of a quarterback in Joe Burrow or this freak of nature improvisational magician like Patrick Mahomes and you need that stop, you need that pressure on third down that Von Miller was giving you. He ended the Chiefs' final three drives when Buffalo won at Kansas City. We don't really know if Russo's ready for, for, for that kind of pressure, that kind of moment. That that's why they paid Von Miller all that money. He ain't gonna be out there. So but yes, do like the Bills where they're at. Obviously you like the Chiefs. Um Patrick Mahomes has played just fine without Tyreek Hill and his numbers are absurd again. I think Cincinnati, if they went out, they're the number one seed in the AFC, right? They've got the tiebreaker in Kansas City and then they'd had the tiebreaker in Buffalo. They've really figured out, you know, their own kind of brand of football that works as well. And I, I think that it's just they're adaptable. If they have to grind out a win, they they grind out that win. If they've got an opportunity to light you up, they'll they'll still light you up. And similar to Buffalo, they kind of went through their rough patch at the right moment. I mean, theirs was right out of the shoot. You know, they struggled out of the gate, and people were writing off the Bengals right away. And uh, Dan Pitchers, he told us. Hey, Joe Burrow, with the way his mind works, he's constantly adding to the encyclopedia of coverages and audibles and um, 
plays that he sees from different defenses and he knows where to attack you, who knows where that sweet spot's going to be, he's going to be able to tap into that in the playoffs. I mean, he's going to face a defense that he had faced in the regular season. And I like that bet for Joe Burrow. If he's seen it and he knows how to attack you and he's got a healthy Jamar Chase out there with T. Higgins, man, it's I don't know if there's a quarterback that's smarter than Joe Burrow. He's going to win with his mind and in the playoffs, right? That's where you have to win three games in a row, four games in a row. You need to take your layups, nickel and dime it. You know, don't force it. Don't bail. Don't rely on your legs too much. If you're, if there's a case to be made for the Bengals, it's like they have a, they have a quarterback built for the postseason where we, we, it's tougher if you're leaning on that one singular physical trait to get you through. So love the Bengals. But yes, in terms of a team in the AFC that could surprise us, that could sneak up on us, that should be taken seriously. I'm going to say, you know, I'm sure our listeners are, are bracing for Miami, right? I know. I know. I like to probably more than most. And Hey, Everybody thought they would just kind of lay over and die in the cold against Buffalo. They did not. <laughs> they they really could have won that game, probably should have won that game, and they had all the drops. I, I think every receiver in Miami had a drop. So that, that was an impressive effort, effort for Miami in the same vein as Buffalo, I think, losing to Tampa last year, right? That was a loss and a losing streak, and they were 7-6. and six, But in a weird way, that second half – Kind of got Buffalo back on track late in the season. Mate, we'll see if it if it works. I mean, Miami's got Green Bay this weekend, and Green Bay's at least shown some life. Um, it, it feels like that kind of loss for Miami. But here's the team for you. I'll go. I'll go with Jacksonville. I, I think that you know, seven and eight, Tennessee is just completely falling apart at the seams. Now rolling with uh, Malik Willis, obviously with the injury to Tannehill, and yeah, hey, maybe he's good one day. Right, right now, you know. The football traveling through the air down the field is just unbelievably difficult for the quarterback out of of liberty. They're going to have to use him as a runner. Derrick Henry is going to have to carry the ball 30-plus times. Jacksonville should be striking the fear of God in Tennessee, in Indianapolis, in Houston. Honestly, probably throughout the AFC because Trevor Lawrence is taking that superstardom step before our eyes. This is the quarterback that we all saw at Clemson uh, that was big, yet athletic, uh, had the long levers, yet the quick release, can layer throws. You know, he can feather it over a linebacker before the safety, just kind of drop it right in. And I statistically, he is the hottest quarterback in the NFL. It's not really close. I mean, since that loss to the Chiefs, where they played him hard in Kansas City, uh, 27-17, it felt even closer than that. They beat Baltimore. They got shellacked by the Lions, which tells you a lot about the Lions. Then they shellack the Titans 36-22. They come back to beat the Cowboys in overtime 40-34. to And then, geez, what a haymaker to the jaw against the New York Jets. And Zach Wilson was just an embarrassment. Um, wow, there's a little bit of a difference between the, the first pick of that draft and the second. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is a stud right now. They've got the lowly Texans next. They'll win that. And then they've got the Titans after that, and they'll win that. So they're going to get in. Uh, they're going to win the division, and that is another team I do not want to play. I mean, that's why that number one seed, even a number two seed, is so dang important. I, I think 
if you're in the AFC, you want to avoid Jacksonville at all costs, however you face them. Or I guess, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's kind of why you want that higher seed. Uh, and, and, in, and in the NFC, you want to avoid Detroit at, at all costs. So th- those are the two teams that are that are hot right now that you don't want to play. I mean, there's you know, the New York Giants were, it seemed like they were kind of falling apart and then they showed a little bit of life. But still, I, the Lions just scare you more than the Giants at this point. Same thing over the AFC where you look at it. I mean, the Jaguars scare you more than the Ravens. Honestly, I, I like the Chargers. Justin Herbert's a stud, but I probably would rather play L.A. than Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville's defense actually looked really dang good, too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so we'll see what happens this weekend. If you already watched the games this weekend, hopefully this podcast holds up, right? And if you subscribe, go along, TD.com. 25% off. Follow the buttons within the articles at the website. We'll send you a copy of Blood and Guts. Also, if you're already a subscriber and thinking, what the hell? I want some blood and guts. I want a deal. Hey, if you gift the subscription to somebody, I'll send you a book as well. We also have the new VIP option. I'll be talking about that much more as we get into the new year. But a VIP option is for our exclusive of the exclusive members at GoLong. So you'll get all the paid content that you get on that as a paid subscriber. But also you will get a GoLong hoodie, copy of Blood and Guts, and the happy hours. We are going to ramp up the Zoom happy hours with players past and present in a big way in 2023. Uh, have some a bunch of former players already have told me they'll be joining TJ Lang, Eric Molds, Chad Brown, the great Pittsburgh Steelers, Seattle Seahawk, Leroy Butler, Eric Wood will probably come back. Why not? And honestly, tell me who you want. Once you become a VIP, 150 bucks, let me know the player you want to hang out with, and I'll do everything in my power to make it happen so we can all hang out on Zoom, have some beers, hear some old stories, and we're going to be doing these regularly. Kind of got away from this year with the Isaiah Show. I uh, got pretty busy at the site, but as we got going, but you know what? Let's let's really ramp this up into 2023 uh, for some VIPs, and, and obviously, I'd be thinking of some more ideas, some more uh, perks to give you if you decide to make that move, and thank you to everybody who's already done it. Unbelievably appreciative. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening to me ramble on and on. Hope you enjoy. We've got the two-part series on Taiwan Jones live. He was fascinating. The pranks uh, had me howling and laughter just re-listening and, and writing those. And obviously, his, his upbringing is chilling in itself. And what he's bringing the Buffalo Bills behind the scenes absolutely deserves uh, the spotlight that we try to give it here because I think that's so important when you do Monday through Saturday He's a captain for a reason. You'll see why he is the heartbeat of the Buffalo Bills. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a Merry Christmas.